Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. everybody. Thank you for joining in on this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. I uh, hope everyone is enjoying the end of April. Uh, I'm actually not totally sure when this episode is going to air. It might be in a couple weeks from the time that we're recording it. Uh, but this week in particular is a big week for the Katinas as we have uh, our second edition of The Gathering is happening on this Thursday. And then this Friday, which will be the 28th, I believe, uh, they're releasing their first single from their new album, The Hymns. So I'm assuming this episode will probably come out after that. Um, but whenever you're watching this, if you haven't heard it yet, go and check them out on the Katina's uh, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, wherever you stream music. Check out their page. You'll hear some new music from them. Um, I know they'll appreciate you listening, and I hope that you'll be blessed by their new music. Um, I want to start off this show the same way I do every week, by thanking the people who support it. Uh, and thanking those of you who generously give to not only this show, but also the Katina's ministry. Um, we wouldn't be able to do this if it weren't for you. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to become a partner of the Katinas ministry, as well as the show, the best way to do that is to visit thekatinas.com, click on the give button there, and it'll take you to where you need to go. So thank you in advance for doing that. All right. Well, today we have a special treat. It's a first time guest, which I haven't had in a few weeks now. Um, And this is someone who is very special to my family and someone who I'm honored to have here in the studio and at my house. And I'd like to welcome her, Miss Laura Helton. Thank you. Miss Laura, thank you so much for being here oh, today. Oh, I'm honored to. Thank you, Josh. Yes. So, so longtime listeners of the show will recognize your last name uh, because your husband, Jeff, has been on the show yes, before. Yes, And I've been hoping to have you on for a long time now and the better half of that marriage here <laughs> with us, Miss Laura, you are, um, I think my parents would consider you one of their best friends mm. and especially my mom. Mm. And, um, but I've known you and your family for, since I was probably six or seven years old now Pretty at young. this point. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. we go way back, but yeah. I would love to give you an opportunity just to introduce yourself mm. to our audience Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, and if you wouldn't mind, share what your connection is with the Katina family. Sure. Well, I'll start with that. So my connection with the Katina family, I think, came through you kids Mm. being together at school. I I know it might have been before this, but I remember you and Jacob in third grade together, Um, and that was probably when we, I connected with your mom, and baseball fields at school, Mm -hmm. and... 
lived two blocks from us. So that was another connection yeah. that made it really easy to be a, be a part of each other's lives. And through that, then several years later, being in high school together and several of us couples were in a small group together. Yeah. And I think we just started doing life mm-hmm. and just being a part of each other's families and celebrating and um, just supporting each other. And mm-hmm. so we do love your family and have watched you and Eli grow up and mm-hmm. see the things that you guys have been involved with. Love the Katinas and their music. And um, so a little bit about me. I uh, have a twin sister, and we were born mm-hmm. in Malaysia, overseas. Um, my mom is from North Dakota, grew up on a farm, German-English background, and my dad is from Malaysia. So mm-hmm. he looks Indian, and uh, they met here in Nashville. So yeah. just grew up in a biracial home, but I really never thought about it because I just felt like it, we just kind of were exposed to a a big world because of that and um, have two younger brothers. But the first four years, two years of my life, we spent in Malaysia and came back to the States for four years and then spent time in Indonesia and Malaysia. And then when I was 10, we went to boarding school. So my Mm -hmm. sister and I were away from our parents um, in boarding school in Singapore. And so we left on an airplane and would be home for Christmas and Easter and summer. So at the time, it's just what we did. Um, other missionary kids did that. But when I became an adult, I realized, wow, that was, I can't imagine doing that with my kids. Yeah. But we came back for high school, moved around a lot, and then landed at Taylor University in Indiana, which was just a huge part of my spiritual growth and um, friendships. And then went up to Chicago and met my husband up in the Chicago area, although he's from Tennessee. So we met there, had four kids, and then they all moved down here. We moved down here 23 years ago. Wow. So. Amazing. I, um, I've always, or I've heard that you grew up in boarding school. Mm-hmm. How long were you in boarding school for? Four years. So it was 10 to 14. Okay. Yeah. In Singapore. And so we had one house parent for 22 kids. Amazing. Yeah, so I think all girls or boys and girls. Boys and yeah, girls. Yeah, so wow. I think I had enough time, hard time with four kids. Yeah, keeping up. So one house parent. I don't know how how <laughs> how she did that, yeah. but we all kind of managed through it. Well, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in that, and I'm sure I'll ask you more about that uh, later on in the episode. But um, the way that I do these episodes for first time guests is that I have three questions that I like to ask you. And so the first two questions are really things that I'm more interested Uh in. um, I'm being honest, but then the third question is a little bit more about you. So we'll get there when we get there. But for the first question, and this will be, this is really for me because I had the privilege of having you and your husband, Jeff, um, do the premarital counseling for me and my wife. Mm -hmm. And that was a really good experience for both of us. And her and I, we're coming up on two years of being married now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, I remember my time with you guys, our time with Mm -hmm. you guys, and I learned a lot. I was challenged. Um, and there's still things today, two years later that, um, we talked about with you guys Mm. that I think about. And, Mm. um, still have been an encouragement to me, a challenge to me. Mm. Um, 
But I wanted to talk to you about, because I know professionally you do a lot of counseling mm-hmm. and coaching. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's what you would mm-hmm. call it. But, um, well, first, how long have you been doing that for? Good question. I did that for about six years after I got my degree. And then I was home for 18 years mm-hmm. and then have been, been back doing doing it part-time for about 13 years. Okay. So you're yeah. a veteran. And well, yeah. I'm sure you have lots of stories and experiences. Uh, there are some stories, yes. yes. <laughs> I just want to ask you, as someone who has counseled a lot of mm. uh, couples who are getting ready to get married, um, what's your favorite part about that? What like, what do you enjoy the mm. most about uh, seeing soon-to-be newlywed couples? What What's uh, the highlight for yeah. you? Yeah. Great question. I think I love to see how excited they are mm. because that's the stage where it is to be excited and to look forward to and anticipate life together and dreaming about what that's going to be like to be together. So I think the anticipation is what I love to see. Mm. I also know it's a season of rose-colored glasses and knowing mm. that there's a little bit of innocence there of sure. not knowing quite what marriage is going to be like because nobody knows until they're married. But I do love the excitement and hearing each other talk about what they love about each other and what attracted them to each other. And I think I hope that they remember the words that they said because mm. sometimes it can be easy to forget when you're married that the things that attracted us can sometimes be the things that create conflict. Yeah. Um, but I do love hearing the sweetness and the freshness that's that's in relationships yeah. when they're um, preparing to get married. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've probably been asked this before, um, but I feel like it's something that everybody, especially like my age or younger who are in the dating world or looking for a husband or wife, mm-hmm. is there a certain sign or behavior that kind of tells you when you're looking at a couple like oh they are compatible or they're not compatible is it like do you see anything like that Mm. or is that kind of just a fable that like oh there's not really any signs Mm. specifically that they're compatible yeah what's your thoughts on that yeah wow um i think any two people can be compatible Mm. if they're willing to look at themselves willing to understand who they are, where they've come from, why they do what they do, at least being aware of that, and then being kind and respectful to mm. their spouse. And so I think that is probably more important than, I think I think any two people can be, I think if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I know Josh, you and I are both nines, yes. so we connect on that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of like with the Enneagram, people will say, are there two people that are most compatible number-wise? And really, any number can... Two numbers can go together no matter how different they are as long as you have two healthy people, which means willing to look at themselves and own what, what's theirs to own and share what they feel and what they think and what they need. And and I do think there's differences in personalities that make some just more challenging, mm. but it can be worked through. For example, if you have a strong introvert and a strong extrovert, there's just going to be some natural um, challenges in that. But if you know that before you get married, you realize, okay, you get married not with not not with the hope that this is going to change because you're marrying the way they are. Sure. Not, I hope this will be different when we get married. Yeah. So, um, so that compatibility 
is an interesting word because I think it really depends on the health and the willingness for each person to be open to growing Mm. and open to learning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I don't remember if it was you and Mr. Jeff who told me this or if I learned it from somewhere, somewhere else. But right before I was getting ready to marry Alexis, I heard someone tell me, you're not just marrying who Alexis is today. You're marrying the woman that she is 30 years from mm-hmm. now, 40 years mm-hmm. from now. And she's marrying who I'm going to be in 30 years yeah. from now, 40 years from now. And I remember when I was, it was close to the wedding and I was thinking about that. You know, obviously I love Alexis mm-hmm. and I love who she is. And there's things about her that um, attracted me to mm-hmm. her. But I also recognize that, you know, she's going to be a different person, not even 30 years from now. She'll be a different person a year from now, five years from now. And that's one part of marriage that has been, I think, a challenge um, in some ways, but also a treat in other Mm -hmm. ways. It's like just getting to see her grow and hopefully I'm growing as well. And, you know, I, I asked you the question about compatibility because... Um, I feel like that's like a hot topic in mm-hmm. for people my age. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, does this person fit with you? Do they have X, Y, and Z? Do they check right, these boxes? Right. Yeah. And I love that you said that anyone can be compatible if they're willing to look at themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's an important thing for for people to remember, married couples or dating couples or single yeah. people that... Uh, being able to look at yourself is an important part of relationships in it general. Is, it is. Yeah. Because I think when we're dating or when things are going well, it's easy to, you know, appreciate the, the, the things that the other person does. But when there's any kind of conflict or tension, it's easy to look at the other person, right? Instead of mm-hmm. kind of saying, okay, what can I do differently? Or how can I, what, what is this triggering in me? Um, but I think the other thing, just going back to your first question about compatibility even though ever anybody could be married, we all have preferences, right? Sure. So I think just knowing the preferences for certain kind of value, you know, and we have values, preferences that are going to impact who who we want to mm-hmm. be with in that way. Um, but the whole thing about changing, I think what what can be difficult is that when you get married, if one person changes and the other person doesn't kind of feels like the rules change for mm. one person saying, well, this isn't who I married. Mm. You know, you used to always do this and now mm. you do it differently. But I think that's what just m- means there has to be conversation and openness about talking about those things because change is good if you're growing, but sometimes change can be really hard yeah. because it's not the person you thought or they're, they're not the way it was when you were dating, which is really typical, mm. right? It can change because we yeah. put our best foot forward when we're dating and then it's the day in and day out of marriage but it's it's uh you know it's like when jeff and i were dating he was super generous and he was super affectionate Mm -hmm. and he um was just very funny made me laugh a lot so Mm -hmm. those were things i i really was attracted to and then about two or three years into marriage especially after we had a baby i remember that feeling of like life is serious Stop joking around. <laughs> Don't touch me. I have a baby. <laughs> and 
the spending is that's I felt irresponsible. Felt mm. like we need to, you know, spend less. So, mm. so it's kind of like I changed. You know, he was still the same, but my feelings about it changed. Mm. And I think that's kind of what can happen yeah. in marriage is with and are willing to say, okay, marriage is a sacred pathway that God uses to transform us, mm. and it can feel like sandpaper because you know change is hard. Yeah. Let me, so this is not your second question, but I would like to ask you this because you touched on it. Um, In your opinion, what is the purpose of marriage? Mm. Why do we get married at all? Mm. Um, I I think there's several things that first come to my mind. I think about things like compatibility. God did not intend man to be alone. Providing somebody who helps, helps us be a better person. Um, those are kind of off the top of my head, but I also think that it is part of our transformation to become more Christ-like, mm. to show, I, I think, to show the world what it looks like to learn to be unselfish, to be loving, to be forgiving. Those are things we learn through marriage. Mm that I think are unique to marriage that are different than when you're single. I think you can certainly learn to be unselfish and forgiving when you're single. It's just you're forced to face it, to choose it when you're married or not choose it. Yeah. Yeah. um, That was a question I never really asked myself Mm -hmm. before I was going into getting married. Why get married? I never asked myself why. And... um, I don't know. I feel like being married to Alexis, I never thought I would say this, but I feel like it has unquestionably made me a better version of myself Mm. being married to her. And I think some of it has been the accountability Mm. of being married. You know, when you're a single guy and maybe men can relate to this more than I don't know, but like... (laughs) There's just certain things about, even small things about my everyday life that I used to never care about. And if I'm being honest, I I still don't really care, but I care because Alexis cares. Yes. And um, I don't know. I just feel like I was not expecting the changes that I saw in myself for marriage that have happened Mm. just from the very fact of like living with another person yeah. and and someone who I care so much about mm. and I care deeply what she thinks about me. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think marriage has, has helped me grow in a way that I don't know how I would have grown that way yeah. had I not been married. Yeah. I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, but, but it's a unique way to yeah. grow. And so... Um, I know you're supposed to be asking the questions, but I just yeah. I love to ask questions, Please. so I want to ask you. <laughs> so you said you're a better version of yourself and growing, mm-hmm. have grown. Has that been hard? Is it come growth come, you know, any kind of growth tends to be you have to let go of something, yeah. right? You know, so has it been, you've probably seen good things that have been great about mm-hmm. having, you know, a partner. And then has growth come from, has that been through challenges? Yeah, I would say it has been hard in the way that, you know, I, it's been challenging in in the way that, like, there's certain things that I know Alexis wants from me and wants for me that 
aren't necessarily high on my priority list. Mm-hmm. Um, but because she's my wife and I care so much about her, I've forced myself to make those things important to me. Mm-hmm. And there's been times where I'm like, gosh, if uh, you don't know how much effort this is taking yeah, from me. And right. you, it, but you just think it's supposed to be a normal thing. Right. Um, but in the end, I feel like it's helped shape a better person mm-hmm. in me. Um, whether it's, I feel like socially is where I see it the most. Like, just um, my effort in uh, developing and pouring into different relationships in my life. Um, But also, like, my goals in general. Like, going after things that I care about. Mm. I think there would be, if I wasn't married, it would be a lot easier for me to settle for things. Um be more complacent. Yeah. Like, you know, I have everything I need. I everything's taken care of, but because I'm married to Alexis and um I want not only what's best for me, but mm-hmm. what's best for us. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things that I'm striving for more boldly because I'm a married man. Mm-hmm. And I credit that to Alexis. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Oh, I think that's so true in most marriages is that you have two people that are have different priorities sure. and we each think ours is the right priority, Yeah, <laughs> but part of love, you know, and I think there's oftentimes I think there's each couple has tends to have at least one issue that kind of circles around throughout marriage, mm-hmm. you know, that becomes the, the difficult issue, you know, mm-hmm. you learn to adapt and do different, but sometimes I find that there's a lot of, you know, we have one issue that we kind of tends to be the, the issue that creates conflict or tension. And so it's, that's the one that says, how do I learn to love? And I'm mm-hmm. continuing to learn. How do I learn to love and let go of selfishness mm-hmm. in that? And yeah. sounds like you're really mindful of that. Well, thank you, Miss Laura. Uh, I feel like you and Mr. Jeff played a big role in laying that foundation mm. for us. And um, yeah, I'm thankful for you guys for mm. that. So I'll move on to your second okay. question. And this will be more about uh, you in general. I mentioned earlier i've always known that you went to boarding school mm-hmm. with your sister right just yes. mm-hmm. um and i never thought about this that but you mentioned it in your introduction that you grew up in a biracial home mm-hmm. um i relate to you in that because right. i did as well yes and i'd like to ask you you know you said it kind of always felt like this was just kind of who i am mm-hmm. it wasn't like a big deal but I would like to ask, as you grew up and you look back on your childhood and your upbringing, do you feel like growing up in a home that was biracial, um, how do you feel like that shaped your childhood mm-hmm. and your upbringing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. what you have is what feels normal. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, when you know, so when we were in Indonesia or Malaysia, I think it felt acceptable to have a mixed marriage, whereas I know mom and dad got married in 1959 and they realized they would not ever live in the Deep South because that would have not been as accepted at that time. And so I never, I think they just made it feel very normal and it never was pointed out that different cultures, we were just exposed to different cultures. So it was just kind of, it just felt normal to be 
part of us that knew about Malaysia and mm-hmm. our family and our aunts and grandmother that was there. And then to be in North Dakota on the family farm. And so I think it was enriching, but I also realized that we became tended to be more Americanized because my dad adopted a lot of American mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Um, even though he was raised in Malaysia, he really, there was a lot of American ways that he really just acclimated to. So there's definitely things about being Malaysian that we love, the culture, the people that are so hospitable. Yeah. They're so gracious and generous that we think, gosh, there's such a beauty in that. Sure. I think you see that in your culture yeah. as well, right? Um, the Samoan culture. And so I think Americans have a lot to learn mm-hmm. from other countries. America yeah. is not the only way. <laughs> I agree. Can I ask you, when you were growing up, did you see yourself as Malaysian or as white mm. or as something in between? Yeah. How did you see yourself? It wasn't a strong focus of my identity, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that that people ask me most when they see me or assume is that I've been to tanning bed. (laughs) (laughs) She must be in the tanning bed all the time (laughs) because my dad is so dark, you know, mom's white or in between. So that's what I get like feedback on. But I think I, I probably identify more as American because Mm. that's when we were living overseas, we went to an American school. And Uh so we've been in American curriculum in American um, high schools and college. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I look around my house, it looks, has a lot of just the feel of what an American culture sure. has, which has been interesting because I feel my younger brothers have adopted, have more things from Malaysia hmm. in their house, yeah. which I'm not sure why. So yeah. that is, Yeah. But I, I, I think there is a, I, I, I do honor the Malaysian heritage sure. and value what that's brought because it really, I feel like, has opened my eyes. I grew up knowing there was a, a big world out there yeah. that was valuable mm-hmm. and people that we could learn from. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting, especially with people who come from multicultural homes. Yes. I, I'm always curious about, like, what is it that feeds into what you identify as? Yeah. Or, as you said, it really just wasn't, like, a focal point right. of who you were. Yeah. Which I think maybe is a healthier way to think about it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I always grew up... Um, I saw myself as Samoan growing up. That's so interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if it was... Because most of my friends growing up were white kids, if yeah. I'm being honest. And um, it's not like I ever had any experiences where it was like, you're not one of us or whatever. Yeah. But I just like, I clung to that. And maybe it's because my dad was someone who I really looked up to mm-hmm. when I was young. And my dad's Samoan. So I wanted to... Identify yeah, with that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but I think that's interesting. And um, I totally agree with you that I feel like growing up in a multicultural home helped me to see the world. My worldview was bigger from the start because 
um, I always knew I have family in Samoa yeah. who their life is nothing like what my life is yeah. like. Yes. I don't know. Yes, yeah. I think it. I think that's a really good point because we can think that this is how the world lives if we don't see beyond it. Sure. And when you see how little other people have mm-hmm. when you go to other countries, wherever that is, I remember coming back and thinking, we live in mansions. Mm-hmm. We are so rich. Yeah. And yeah. it's gross. And then we, and it's like, it's like, lab, right. Yeah. And then we get here, we back a few months and we're like, oh, and I want more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like I remember when we had been on some trips, missions, trips or whatever, thinking, I need this to be a regular part of my life because mm-hmm. it's gives perspective yeah. and that of what we have sure. here. So there is such value in other seeing other places. Totally. Yeah. Well, there's your first two questions, Ms. Okay. Laura. Thank you so much yes, for talking with me. I have this third question and like I said earlier, this is this question is really more about you. Okay. And I ask all of my guests this question. So it's intentionally open ended. And you're welcome to answer it however you'd like. Okay. But the question is this. What is going on at home? Mm. What is going on at home? Uh, Jeff and I are empty nesters. So most of the time, a lot of the time it's quiet as far as the, you know, on a daily basis. But we have seven grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So when they're in and out of the house, there's a lot of noise and laughter and energy and we love that and then after several hours and they we say goodbye and we realize we are totally exhausted Mm -hmm. and that it makes a difference being grandparents energy wise but I would say at home there's time to read I am taking more time to read Mm. um there's conversations that Jeff have over dinner. We have dinner almost every night together Mm. on our back porch when the weather's nice. I feel like there's a connection. I think we're enjoying the connection we have now because we spent time intentionally working on our marriage. Mm. Thanks to Jeff who, who really pursued that for us. Mm. And I would just highly recommend that no matter what stage anybody's at to be intentional with their marriage. So when they get to this place, there's an enjoyment and Mm. connection Um, and so home feels like a good place to be for me. I think being in the same home for 23 years is a feeling of rootedness. Mm. And I think a word that has come to me this last week is the word savor. And I think what I love about that is trying to savor where I am in my home, Mm. who's in my home, what I'm doing, and I feel like that word savor is reminding me to s- enjoy the slow pace, which I, I do better when I have margin. And just to savor, whether it's early in the morning or the sun's going down or conversations, I'm in a place of having margin to do that mm. in this season of life at home. So I am in, I am enjoying that. Mm. Um. I've had a the privilege of having a few grandparents on the show before. And one of the things I love to ask them, it's kind of a two-part question, but is what is your name to your grandkids? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> yes. 
It's a big deal in my family right now because my parents are working on figuring yes. out that out. So I left, what's your name yeah. to your grandkids and how did you come up with it? Yes. So I'm Nana and okay. Papa. Hmm. Um, how did we come up with it? Well, it's kind of interesting because both my parents and Jeff's parents were grandma and grandpa. I mean, that was just normal. And for some reason, I felt like that just didn't fit for me uh-huh. and no, for no good reason. And so that's just what I thought fit. Nana. And that, so what did you have to teach it to your grandkids or did it just kind of yeah, naturally? I, I, what was interesting that is that our kids wanted us to choose our name. Whereas mm-hmm. like we just chose to call my parents, grandma and grandpa. They, right. We didn't ask them for their opinion. Mm-hmm. We just made that. But now I don't know if this is just a different generation where they wanted us to choose. Yeah. So then I think we just, they started saying it and then uh-huh. teaching their kids. And now yeah. it is the best to hear them yell, Nana, Papa. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's fun. I think, so on my mom's side, I never realized it until I was older. But on my mom's side, my grandparents on that side, we call them Gammer and Pa. Gammer. Gammer, yes. And so I, Pa, I think, is kind of maybe normal, but Gammer is a unique right, name. Right, right. And I believe the story is that my oldest cousin on that side, her name's Carly. That's just what she called my Gammer. She called her Gammer, and it that stuck, stuck for the rest of the cousins on that side. That's and cute. The, they didn't really choose that. That's just kind of what I was given. <laughs> and so she's always been Gammer to me. And um, But I don't know. You know with my parents, and you're close with them, yeah. that... They're getting ready to become grandparents here in like a month now, so soon, which is so crazy. Exciting. And I don't know if they've uh, settled on an, on names yet, but th- that has been a topic recently. of discussion. I've heard some funny ones yeah. that they've thought of, but I haven't. Don't know what the, the series. The is. latest I've heard is JoJo and Lolo. Uh, yes, which okay. that has kind of stuck around from the beginning. Okay, but so we'll see. Honestly, it all comes down to whatever. The first grandkid ends up saying, I feel like, because. And that's what my, what yeah. Jeff, my husband said, is whatever they choose to call me. And well, that could be good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> whatever sticks. Well, that's a lot of power for a young. A little one. <laughs> yes. That's, well, thank you for sharing that with me. Yes. And, um, yeah. I know you're a great Nana. And mm. um, I can't fun. believe it's seven grandkids. I didn't. Seven. Eat, so it's. Four Josh from Josh four. and Jess, and three Jacob, with mm-hmm. Gra- Jacob and Gracie Hope. Wow. Yes. And I'm, God willing, more on the way. <laughs> there are, I believe there will be more on yes. the way. God willing, that is true. That's awesome. Yes. Well, I'll, t- I'll uh, I have one more thing that I want to talk to you about, and it's about the word that you brought up, mm-hmm. savor. And, you know, I've never, uh, I kn- I've known people who they kind of, they say, this is my word for the year. Mm. This is a word that I'm meditating on right now. It's not ever been really a thing for me. Um, but I want to ask you as you, I don't know if you call it your word for the month or the season, but to savor um, on a practical level, what does that look mm. like for you? There have been years when I've kind of chosen a word and and I haven't this year, but I felt like it just was impressed on me a few weeks ago and I've kind of just been paying attention. I see it, seeing it written or someone says it and it just kind of stands out to me. And I think it is being fully present to whatever I'm experiencing. Mm. Helps me to savor, to take it all in. Mm. 
instead of thinking about what's next or all the things that need to be done or, you know, so I think savor means slowing down to enjoy Mm. at a deeper level. That's what I'm thinking on. Do you know, have you ever heard of Terrence McKenna? No. He's, um, I think he's actually passed away, but he was kind of, he's an out there guy, but he was, he had a lot of philosophies about life and he, he had this one, um, idea that he talked about a lot that for humans, it's not that important to understand, but what's essential is to feel. Hmm. And I think what he was saying was that I, I feel like a lot of times people want to work hard to understand what's going on, understand why this is happening, mm-hmm. understand just to understand, make to, sense of right, it. to yeah. make sense of things. But what he was saying is that even more important than that is, are you feeling, mm-hmm. are you going through life aware of how you're feeling? Mm. And when I think about safer and like being present in mm-hmm. the moment, I think being super aware of how does this make me feel? Yeah. What am I feeling yes. right now? Is um, that's the baseline that's of good. where where we can live? Yeah. And I don't know when you were saying that it made me think that's about Terrence McKenna. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I think I was so unaware of what I felt in my first half of life. Yeah, and I, I, I would say in the second half of life. Um, I have been much more aware of what I feel instead of just being neutral or numbing. Um, and I do think there, it adds a lot to life yeah. to be able to feel. So I think I like that connection that you made with that. I think being able to feel is such a special experience mm-hmm. and such a unique experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, God gave us feelings for some reason. Yeah. And I feel like to not fully dive into those things is uh, doing an injustice to the privilege that it is to be alive. Yeah. And so, I don't know, when I think about savoring, I think that um, feeling wholeheartedly whatever it is that I'm feeling is is an important thing to do and an important way to live fully. Yes. And um, I, I feel like savor is going to be a word for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know any other thoughts because you have some really good. That was a really <laughs> great, great way to say that. Oh, and you. because I think in my, even in my job with counseling, I, and just this afternoon, I, I met with somebody who's like, feelings mean weakness, mm-hmm. and so they don't, you know. And I think a lot of people have different views on what it means to feel. Mm-hmm. Is it okay or is it not? And so I love that you acknowledged from this the you know this man the reminder of the importance of feeling yeah. because it is what brings a lot more fullness to our lives sure but that means we have to savor the sadness yeah. as well as the gladness yeah. rather than numbing or neutral totally or escaping yeah i think too as like as a fellow nine yes I do feel like a strength of mine is that I'm in tune with other people's feelings. Yes. I'm um, very sensitive to what other people are feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely a strength in some ways. Mm -hmm. But I think also it can become a a weakness or an obstacle because 
my own feelings become secondary to others. Yes. And yes. I don't know, that's a challenge for me. And I'm I'm assuming it's yeah. probably a challenge for you mm-hmm. as well. It's just that mm-hmm. um, my feelings are just as valid as mm-hmm. my wife's feelings right. or my brother's or right. my parents or whatever it is. And um, sometimes I feel like that I find like a false sense of pride in like ignoring my own feelings mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. But often that comes out sideways later mm-hmm. on. And um, yeah, I think it's something that I will probably always have to struggle with yeah. and, and be intentional about being aware of my feelings and letting myself feel the, both the good and the bad. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody has different bents towards what they do with what they feel, right? Mm-hmm whether it's their own or others. And I, I'm the same with you. You know, it's easier to focus on what other people feel and keep the, the attention on other people. Yeah. And I think that's been some of the work I've had to do um, is to understand and be okay speaking up with what I feel and taking, taking, taking up time to say, use my voice mm-hmm. rather than saying my mind doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, that's part yeah. of our... Our wiring as nines is to learn our voice matters. Well, Miss Laura, your voice matters to me. And I'm so thankful that our listeners get to hear your voice and hear what you have to say. And um, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. It's a today's Tuesday. I'm sure you had a hundred other things you could have been doing besides this. No, I'm savoring this. (laughs) I'm sitting here in your studio looking out at the tree, the window, and it's just... It's a, it's just the right good place to be. Well, I'm so yeah. glad you're here, and I hope to have you back on the show sometime. Thank but you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Josh. Yep. To those of you listening, we'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.